Welcome to the Cosmic Savannah with Dr. Jacinta Del Hayes and Dr. Tiemi Somaguela. Each episode will be giving you a behind-the-scenes look at the world-class astronomy and astrophysics happening under the African skies. Let us introduce you to the people involved, the technology we use, the exciting work we do, and the fascinating discoveries we make. Sit back and relax as we take you on a safari through the skies. Welcome to today's episode, everyone. Today we are interviewing our very own Tsimiso Makwela. <laughs> and our brand new podcast manager, Francois Kampfer. Hi. Did I pronounce your name correctly yes. there? Yeah. Great. That's fine. Okay. I think we're moving up the ladder. Now we have a whole Cosmic Savannah manager. That's really cool. Yes. It's a serious podcast now. <laughs> So, Francois, welcome to the team. Thank and you. first of all, welcome to the studio. It, very yeah, much yeah. in, a, what do you call these? Inverted commas. Inverted yeah, commas. Yeah. So, Francois, tell us about your first impressions well, of the studio. First of all, you learn that it's recorded at SAAO. And then you think, wow, that's cool. It's like at the observatory. It's very nice. And then you get in here, it's like covered with files that's <laughs> fallen over. and. A little bit larger than a cupboard, but there are I, stacks of files yeah. falling over on the floor that you have to step around. Yeah, studio is ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quaint, it's fine. Quaint. It can work. I mean, I did try preparing mm-hmm. him, you know, on time to say, actually, you know, a studio is not necessarily the conventional studio <laughs> that you think about. So just... Yeah, I... <laughs> Describe it to us. So we've walked into a room, basically, and yeah. there's, like, all these fallen down old files yes. everywhere. Yes. We step over the files. We it's go like going past... into Narnia, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what happens? <laughs> then you walk in, and it's the thickest door I've ever seen opens up into <laughs> an even smaller cupboard <laughs> with felt everywhere. And... It's foam, actually. Uh, foam, foam sorry. Yeah. Foam. And then some hula hoops. <laughs> there are hula hoops. So, yeah. <laughs> We're trying to be fit. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't know where the hula hoops came Hon- from. I, I like the hula hoops, to be honest. They're colourful, <laughs> They right? brighten up they the do. room a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's very small, and it did used to be a pendulum room, as I think yeah. Dan's told us several times before. So this is, like, meant to be isolated from vibrations and stuff. The pendulum's long gone. No one knows where it is. But the reason for the thickest door you've ever seen is, like, you know, soundproofing from vibrations, which makes it perfect for a recording studio. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is perfect. Sure, okay. It works. For now. Yeah, look, the audio comes out good, right? Yeah, so. anything for good audio. Yeah. I mean, we should hear that from our listeners, so... That's true, that's yeah. true. Well, Francois, you've been an avid listener of the Cosmic Savannah. What what was your opinion on the audio? Uh, it's definitely improved over time. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess the studio works. Okay, that's diplomatic. <laughs> Ouch. But to be fair, a lot of the recording had to be done during COVID, where yeah. we were in blanket forts in our own homes without our nice uh, microphones. But anyway, welcome to the Cosmic Savannah team. Thank welcome, you. Welcome, Francois. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So maybe you could just begin by telling us a little bit about yourself and introducing yourself to listeners. Uh, okay. I'm Francois. I've been studying astrophysics and physics at UCT for four years now, in a bit of an odd situation, waiting to hear about honours and so on, which I'm not a part of yet, but hopefully will be next year. <laughs> but yeah, I've just always been in love with astronomy and science and it's basically the the most interesting science that's why I picked it. Agreed. And yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, I mean we're a bit biased, I suppose. Yep. But <laughs> we're also correct. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can have your opinion but you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so you love astronomy and science and yeah. physics, and so you're, you're doing an undergrad de- degree. Yes, that? yeah, I'm in my fourth year of a three-year undergrad degree. <laughs> well, I, I did technically graduate at the beginning of this year, so yep. I'm repeating well, courses. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I'm repeating courses to improve marks to hopefully okay. get into honours next year. It's very dedicated. It's very competitive as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, well, but I think you were one of my first students, right? Yes. Yeah, so last year I taught half of a course on... Um, mm extragalactic astrophysics. We all know the story about I was trapped in Australia, yeah. or trapped, quote-unquote, trapped at my in my mum's house, like at home, <laughs> in, at home <laughs> in, in the beautiful bushland. Mm. But anyway, I didn't have a visa to come back to South Africa for a very long time, and so I had to lecture from Australia mm. online via Zoom, which, you know, was not great. But you guys were actually for the most part, in the actual lecture room yeah. at UCT. Yeah, we had a bit of an interesting setup. Yeah, so, like, I was projected onto the screen, right? Yeah. 
and you could see me and I could see you. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of worked. Kind of, yeah. Like, it was interesting to see you yeah. in person. It was like meeting a YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to take that as a compliment. You should. <laughs> I was about to say, do not go around opening a new YouTube channel just in <gasps> Excuse me, why not? <laughs> because you already have the Cosmic Savannah. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I always complain about how much work. <laughs> <laughs> sure, let's add something else onto the plate. But, yeah, it was interesting. Once I came back to, to UCT, all of these people would, like, stop me in the corridor being like, just send to your back. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I was one of your students. You couldn't see me, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it worked okay, and you did really well in my course, so congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. I, I enjoyed the course a lot. I really liked the topics thing that we did, where we had to present a paper that we were assigned, or we got to choose, actually. Yeah, from the literature. Um, like, I think we had to just choose a, a paper that was published in the literature and mm. read it. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed that. That was interesting. Yeah. I liked the presenting part, and it was good getting it from someone like yourself who's sort of used to the presenting part of astronomy. So it was interesting to, to do that. And I really liked it. Oh, I'm glad to hear. I'm very passionate about science communication, mm. as you all know. So, so Fran, so you're joining us as a manager, right? So what is your role? Like, maybe just tell us a little bit more about what you'll be doing at the Cosmic Savannah. That's a very good question. So I I kind of started as just doing the sort of show notes, writing out the blog after a meeting with Jacinta to get a recommendation for <laughs> honours. <laughs> yeah, essentially. I just asked for a favour. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Jacinta. Um, I know, I know. At least I liked it, so that's fine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So now I'm in the manager position, so I guess now I should try and get uh, everyone to be paid. <laughs> but now I'm also a manager, so I have to stop that as well, which is funny. Sorry. To be paid, that's a great idea. Mm, yeah, this it's is, fantastic, course, isn't it? Yeah, this is all, this is, we do this all I know, voluntary. I know. And, it's um, just a joke. But, it, <laughs> it's, <laughs> right, but, it, but why not? No, we actually would really like to get funding actually yeah. to pay our volunteers. I'm not plugging to this audience. <laughs> I'm not expecting <laughs> money. But yeah, that's that's a great point. Okay. So then I got upgraded to website manager and then I got upgraded to podcast manager in the course of a week, which is great. <laughs> so yeah, climbing the corporate ladder already. So yeah, that fantastic. accelerated quickly. <laughs> yeah. But as far as I understand it, I'm supposed to keep the hosts on track time-wise and also manage the volunteers time-wise and also email people to get them to agree to be on the podcast, which I've just forgotten I haven't done yet. <laughs> I think everything else you're doing really well so far. Thank you. We got you on time. I don't know about you, Jacinta. Yeah. Um, actually, I got here at 10, 30 and 30 seconds. So Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're very happy to have you on board, Francois. Uh, we really, really needed help because Dad, Simiso and I are just like run off our feet now and we just can't have that extra kind of mental load to like plan the next episode and decide when to record and stuff so mm. it's very very helpful and the reason why you got quote unquote promoted so fast is because you're excellent you're <laughs> one of the most organized and efficient people i've ever met you know and that's funny because i'm not really <laughs> really <laughs> you're just really interested in this then yeah i, I think when you're supposed to manage other people yeah you kind of become better at doing it. But I'm really not very organised, to be honest. I think it's knowing that some people rely on you at this yeah. point. Yeah, but basically. I think, I think you're really good at that. Um, I see the messages. I try to reply. Yeah. So you you are doing a great yeah, job. If, yeah, yeah. Hurting the cats. Yeah. Just like hurting cats. Yeah. <laughs> well done. We're, we're very glad to have you. Thank you. So... I'm I'm relating to you a lot right now. My guess is that do you have ADHD? Yes. You do. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> because I'm exactly the same. I can't get something done unless it's for someone else and yeah. then I get it done perfectly yeah. and on time. Yeah. yeah, no, no. If I have to study, for example, mm. it's much easier to put on an episode of Ahsoka and then watch the whole series and then not do <laughs> yeah, the studying. Exactly. But exactly. when it's for someone else, you know, it happens very quickly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's also a superpower, right? Because like mm. we also have creative brains and yeah. Yeah. It would yeah. be nice if it didn't all happen two uh -huh. hours before the thing yeah. is due. Yeah. But <laughs> it would be nice if it gave you some warning yeah. or some prep time. But yeah. Anyway. We're in good company. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a huge procrastinator, so I also kind of yeah. do other things instead of the actual things that I'm meant to do. Mm. So, Speaking of which, we not. should probably start talking about astronomy. Yes. <laughs> Please. So, speaking of that, Timmy, so 
you are actually going to be our guest today. And by the way, Francois, feel free to ask questions okay. throughout. You didn't actually know that you were going to be here for the whole episode today. No, no. <laughs> Welcome to hosting. Thank you. Um, and Simi, so, so we want also our listeners to get to know you a bit better because you're our new host, but we kind of launched straight into the season and we didn't really get much of a chance to introduce you to listeners. Yeah. So we'd like to hear more about like who you are and what you do. So I don't know, where, you, where do you want to start? So I am currently, oh, I do a lot of things. Mm, which hats? Actually. Lots of hats that you wear. Yeah, and it's surprising when I think about it sometimes because where do I get the time to do all mm-hmm. of this? <laughs> anyway, so I'm currently, officially, I'm a postdoc at UCT and MPIA. So What's MPIA? MPIA is the Max Planck Institute of Astronomy. It's in Germany Ooh. and at UCT, University of Cape Town. So the, the position is joined with the IAU, International Astronomy Union, Office of Astronomy for Education. So I do a lot of astronomy education research for the OEE. Okay, so when you say education research, what exactly does that mean? So I actually mean that we do some education research, but only focused on astronomy content. So we'll be working with students or lecturers or teachers. I haven't worked with any teachers, but in my position, I've worked with astronomers who lecture, students who are learning astronomy, as well as like some practitioners, whether they are planetarium show managers Mm. or anybody who deals with people. And it's not just about communicating astronomy there. It's about the actual learning taking place of astronomy Mm -hmm. and how that happens. Okay. So you're researching about the education of astronomy and that process of education and learning. Right. Okay. So it's almost a crossover between like astronomy and physics and sociology and psychology, is it? So it it gets... Or cognitive processes. Yeah. Like it it gets muddled up because, you know... Actually, at UCT, I'm part of a research group called Phaser, which is Physics and Astronomy Education Research. Mm. So it does include a little bit of physics because obviously physics education research is a much more popular field than astronomy education research. Because it's just smaller. It's smaller. Yeah. And there aren't a lot of people doing it. Actually, in a study done about a few years ago, they found that in all the papers that exist, that existed by that time, so probably 2016, Mm -hmm. In astronomy education, there are literally just like four authors Whoa. who are being repeated in each and every publication. Oh. So it's really a very small field, very popular in the US. Okay. Mm. And only now that some parts of you know the world mm. are kind of doing some research in it. Okay, so you're one of very few people who are actually researching astronomy education. Yes. Cool. All right. So then what kind of stuff do you research? So because we we are mostly looking at the learning, right? So we will probably like take a concept in astronomy and see how people engage with that concept or what people know about that concept. So in my PhD, oh gosh, you know the story of doing a PhD? (laughs) So (laughs) every time you talk about it, your face just like goes blank. Like, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to think about this. (laughs) Because initially when I started, I was coming to do some research in visualization of astronomy. Oh, really? Right. So that was like the start of it. Like I have a whole proposal, a whole chapter one just on that. Oh, like kind of VR stuff and how to make nice images and... But also what are the affordances of those images? You know, what do we know what we are looking at when Mm. we're looking at astronomy images? Mm -hmm. And this is something that even astronomers have to learn right mm-hmm. so you just don't go into astronomy and say oh yeah i understand that's a black hole but no you are actually kind of taught or rather enculturated i think mm. this word sounds nice Ooh. that's a Fancy. big word <laughs> you know you you become enculturated into the culture of astronomy and learning astronomy i mean mm. one example that i could also make is the fact that when we go outside and we are stargazing at night mm-hmm. many people will be like oh that star looks a little bit orange but astronomers will say no it's red Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so okay. already we are enculturated to see it as red because we know it's a red star. You know, yeah. it's oh, big, yeah. like Betelgeuse, it's a big yeah, red giant yeah. star. We know it's red. But when people look at it, they actually see orange and then we correct them to say it's actually red. Oh, so, so what we, was the word again? Enculturated? Yeah. I'm look so that it's up. sort of like we, we, we learn to be part of that culture coming from yeah. one culture to another. Yeah. So anyway, that was like the initial idea. Mm. But actually just... In a simple questionnaire that we did at the beginning of that year in 2018, we realized that actually, like, the fundamentals um, of astronomy, like sizes and distances, 
with things that are so important that students were already struggling with before we can even get to try and understand what they see in images so that we can start there in opening up the space for them understanding what is it that they're looking at when they're looking at astronomy images. Right. So first they have to understand distances and sizes. First they had to understand distances and sizes. Okay. And this turns out to be really hard, right? Yeah. It turned out that, you know, students really performed very badly in the sizes and distances of astronomy objects. But even worse, students in the previous years who did the same questionnaire, the ones who did bad actually did bad overall in the astronomy course. Interesting. Ah, okay. Sorry, did you do this in 2020 as well? A survey for that? Yeah, we did it UCC. early in the year, in 2020, just before lockdown. Yeah, um, yeah I was yeah, one of the, the students. Oh, you, were? Yeah. you were one of them? Yeah. Oh, cool. I was in AST 1000F as well. So you did the walk outside? Yes, that one. Oh, yeah. t- tell us tell us about this. What was this walk? Okay, so I'll, I'll get there. Okay, we'll get there. Okay, yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. Because, yeah, because... But this is a cool realisation. Yeah. yeah. One of the, one yeah, of the test students. Associate Professor uh, Sarah... Sarah, Sarah Bly. Bly, yes. Yeah. So, okay, I'll get to there. Yeah. So this yep. was in 2018. Mm-hmm. So we see that sizes and distances are not actually very much understood. Then obviously I'll ask the lecturer what's happening. And then she tells me that in the last four years, she's been trying out different things, you know, to to help students get a sense of this. Mm-hmm. And still the results in their post-test was also not very great. Wow. Okay. Oh, so they, you know, they did a, a pre-test. Yeah, a pre-test. And, and then, then they did the learning. Sarah did the teaching. Yeah. And then they did a post-test and the post-results were still not very good. Yeah. Interesting. The post-results was not very okay. good. Like we would expect, you know, 100% of scores and things right, like that. Right, right but it was not necessarily what we got. And so that was the start of it. So what is wrong there? It's really easy to say it's bad teaching. Mm -hmm. Definitely, you Mm -hmm. know, bad teaching. It is what it is. South Africa is the worst in the world. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I mean, that's what the stats say, right? Oh, I see. So that's that's kind of like the common statistic that's that's out there, that South Africa is doing really bad in maths and physics. Hmm. And... At that point, these are first-year students coming into the university. So, obviously, we are taking from the fact that they are holding on to whatever they learned previously in high school in the pre-test. So, obviously, we'd expect them not to do so great. But what happened the post-test when Mm. they have really great teaching? I mean, at that point, after four years, Sarah had already... So Sarah is the lecturer, well, now HOD. Yeah. <laughs> High head of department, <laughs> Dr. Sarah Blythe. Hi, Sarah. She's actually been on the podcast before. Yeah, yeah. she helped yeah. me with Talk- my Israel application oh, as well. Oh, cool. Nice. <laughs> yeah, she's also the one of the PIs of the Laduma project, which yeah. is a big survey project with Meerkat. And Fabulous. Anyway, yeah, so in that, on that episode, we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, won't we, Francois? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you can You can listen to an interview with Sarah. But anyway, getting back to the point, so... You were talking to Sarah. So, yeah, so Sarah had already kind of went into, obviously, like I said, the Americans have already been doing this for long. So she went into the things, like kind of the teaching they did, the practicals they did, and just incorporated everything. So this is amazing and great teaching already mm. recommended by the people who've always been doing this research. Okay, so she went and found out how, like the Americans and stuff, who have been looking at astronomy education for a while, how they have been teaching these distances and sizes. Yeah. Okay, and then she tried that. Yeah. And that still didn't really help. That still didn't really help. Interesting. Actually, let me not say it didn't fully help. It helped with the aspect of sizes. Okay. But when it came to distance, the students were not necessarily doing very right. well. So in most cases, I think students at that point had just wrote, learn everything else. Like, ah. oh no, uh, you know, it's the earth, it's the surface of the sun, this and that and that. It's this number, it's this number. It's this number. Right. So I think they're just like kind of how I learned <laughs> the order of planets, movements, yeah. you know, yeah. Mercury, Venus. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think they get into... Just that that's the style learning. of learning. That's, that's the style ah, of learning okay. that they get used to. Okay. But obviously in the post-test, we switch things up. Mm-hmm. And now students have to kind of figure out where they're at and then kind of rank themselves or rank the distances from where they're at. Ah, so it's kind of like a creative, analytical sort of thinking. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, maybe, Tia, you could tell us a little bit about like what some of the questions were. And maybe our listeners would like to hear and, and figure out if they can rank them correctly. Okay, so the first one was the ranking the objects according to their sizes. Okay. So we would have a a star, a planet, galaxy, Milky Way, 
well, maybe we didn't write Milky Way, but we just said galaxy, galaxy. universe, mm. solar system, and the sun. Okay. And then we asked them to rank them from smallest to biggest, but using the signs, you know, greater, greater than, than, smaller than, than or yeah. greater than, smaller than, or equal to if objects are equal. Mm-hmm. Because we also wanted to see if mm. they recognize a star as the sun or the mm-hmm. sun as a star. Right. That was kind of the size question. And then the distance one was... Wait, could, Francois, do you want to try and answer that? What's okay? Sure. Do you want to go from smallest to largest? Uh, sure. I, you mentioned planet, so that's smallest. Then what else did you mention? I can't remember. Galaxy, it was universe, galaxy, system, universe, star, star solar sun. system. Mm. So then planet, star, sun, um, then solar system, then galaxy, then universe. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Actually, did this during the (laughs) (laughs) ten out of ten. Yeah, I did this a lot with the students during the National Science Week as well. Oh yeah, it was so cool. I think I think there's some pictures that we can put up from from students just trying to rank the objects as well. Yeah, and then the other one was with distances. I think distances were about like twelve objects. I might have forgotten them, but we were ranking them from the surface of Earth, Mm -hmm. and then we had the distance to the center of the Earth and the distance to the ozone layer. Okay. A lot of students said, in high school, we learned that the ozone layer is infinite. Like, it just oh, doesn't end. Really? Know, it just goes on and on. And only to find that the ozone layer is only 25 kilometers yeah, up. And then the center of the Earth mm. is very far. Like, mm-hmm. than that. so, yeah. And then we had, obviously, the sun. And then we had, like, two planets, maybe. And then we had the asteroid belt. And then... And this um, is so comparing objects. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay. So... Yeah. Oh, no, no, just ranking, just oh, ranking the okay, distances okay, from okay. the surface uh-huh, of the earth. Uh-huh. So that was it. So I can't remember all of them for for friends so to actually rank them now. So sorry about that. <laughs> He's like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So like, was one question? Maybe the students just don't know what these objects are, mm. or like, so you know, maybe they don't actually know what the difference between a solar system, a galaxy, and the universe is. Because a lot of the times in popular media, they're just kind of used interchangeably, but they're very different things. So was that one aspect? So thank you for that question. Great question. (laughs) (laughs) So actually, after they rank the sizes, we asked them what each object was. Like, you know, what's a star then? What's Uh that? What's the solar system? Yeah, what's What's the the solar system? Mm -hmm. So we already have some of the ideas on that. To be honest, from those results, you can see that there is some confusion between what a universe is versus what a galaxy is. It, it, it's there, it exists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they, they will come and ask because sometimes we say rank the star Alpha Centauri and then they come to us and ask, what is this? They're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a star, you know. So they do ask some, some questions like that. I wanted to get to the point that actually when we got to that result, as I was saying, is it poor teaching? Is it, you know, do we have bad teachers everywhere? Joking, teachers are great, you're changing the world. <laughs> <laughs> so in Norway, they did the same study with the same questionnaire. In Norway? In Norway. Okay. So the results were similar with the ones oh. that we got in South Africa. And that's when we thought, there is no way mm. this is just about bad teaching. There is no way it's because, you know, we don't have the amazing and wonderful resources to use. Because if Norway, which is about number two, I think Finland is number three. In terms of the teaching quality? Yeah, of Mm. science and mathematics Mm -hmm. teaching quality in the world. So that means that they have the greatest resources, the greatest teachers, Mm -hmm. and all of those things. But when it comes to sizes and distances, they have the same results as students in South Africa. Okay. So I guess that implies that it's not the teaching in South Africa. It's not the teaching. And so Mm. it must be something else. Okay. And then I wanted to know, what is this something else? And that was just kind of the starting point of the whole PhD. Mm. I can't believe this is the pre-PhD story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so then what happened? And then what happened was that there was a whole new article on physics news saying... Norway students do not know this. And we're oh. so happy it was not South African students. <laughs> we celebrated that. That's a win for us. Finally. Um, but then we we got to saying there must be a problem there. And I thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the first thing that doesn't look like it has a lot of dimensions, like sizes. It's just there. <laughs> not like distances, I mean. And so we went to investigate what is it that students fundamentally know about distances. And that was the next step. And then we had some questions asking students what they think distance is. And because it is so difficult to just ask a person, what do you think distance is? Like, mm. it's not like you can get a quick answer onto that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, because you can't explain what a distance is without using the word distance. Yeah. 
Okay, mm. so like how far it is between things, I guess. Yeah. And we found that this was also an open question in neuroscience, which is why I was saying that neuroscience. in neuroscience, yeah. you know, where they're just saying it's not just about distance, but also space, right? Mm. Where either the concept of space and distance emerges, like it's something that we are kind of born with, or it's a concept that we learn over time. Or does it come from the fact that you touch one point there and another point there and in between there, there's just some space and now that distance idea comes about? So it's actually more of an abstract idea than we kind of assume it is. Yeah. Ah. Right. And I only found out when I was just trying to understand what is this distance, you know, mm-hmm. and, and getting into it. So we, we asked students questions about how they could describe certain distances to mm-hmm. a blind friend. Okay. So we obviously reduce the vision modality because... Mm-hmm then we know that we... Okay, so again, neuroscience and cognitive science. I had to go reading into those things. Wow, you went Big deep. words were just sure. coming in. Yeah. What did you just say? The, the visual... The... the visual sense, rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so everything from our senses is, helps us understand the world, mm-hmm. generally how mm-hmm. the world works. So we just had to limit one of them. And we chose vision because we didn't want people to point at a distance we're asking them to describe. And from the answers that we got on these distances, we tried to say, okay, describe a shorter distance and then describe a longer distance and then a larger distance. Okay, so, so like describe the distance between... No, we, we wouldn't say between. We'd say describe a seven-meter distance. Ah. Describe a hundred-kilometer distance. Okay. You know, to a blind and, friend. And how would you do it? And how would you do it? Okay. So that's what we did. And then the answers that we got from there, you know, immediately when we thought hundred kilometers automatically what we've come accustomed to, especially in astronomy, is that we go from kilometers to astronomical units to light years. Mm. Mm. Right? So we're already thinking time will already come into into the the question. travel time. You know, so we were already thinking, like at the moment when I ask you to center, how far is the airport from here? Okay, yeah, Yeah. and I say like 30 minutes. Exactly. So we we already expect people to get there. But Mm. in our results, we actually realized that Students were moving from haptic and touching their bodies and using their bodies when explaining shorter distances. And instead of going to time, they went into using what we call now the journey metaphor. Mm, Okay. So there was something in them using journey or journey or... Journey. Yeah. Mm. So So what's an example? So students will say, I will walk a certain distance with my friend and then stop and then tell them that if we were to walk at this pace at this time, at this pace, mm-hmm. then it would take us however much to get there. Isn't that going back to time? At that point, they're not explicitly saying time. Ah, so they're saying like, we'll walk some distance and yeah. then they'll say, okay, that's that much distance. That's, that's like 10 meters. Now yeah. times that by three and that's... Yeah, so they'll, they'll say yeah. something like that. So they were not explicitly saying we will take this amount of time. Mm. And... We found out this when we asked another question. So from 100 kilometer distance to another question, when they explicitly say, it will take us three days. It will take us 24 hours. Mm. And then we thought it was very easy for us to say, no, that's time at that point. But actually it wasn't. Mm. And again, going back to cognitive science, cognitive linguistics, rather, there was this notion of embodied cognition. Embodied cognition. Embodied cognition. So like that... All abstract thought actually is embodied. So everything that is abstract is ultimately based on our responses and our learning of our bodies. Mm. So, for example, if I say Jacinta is a warm person, I'm already mapping that onto my first experiences of warmth, which is when I was a baby and Comfort. I was close to a caregiver. Oh, okay. So it's it's in things like that. Or when if someone is saying, People, you can't see this, but if you think about it, if I say, I love you so much, and then just since you ask me, how much? And I go, so much, so mm-hmm. much. It doesn't make sense to you, right? Okay, yeah. So, so Simi so is moving her hands yeah, around. Moving. So she's like, I love you so much. And she's got her hands out and then, wide. And then yeah. I just bring them closer yeah. to say, and this much. This so, much. So, yeah. so that doesn't, so mm. it's just some of those things. And according to that, there was this whole thing that journeying comes from when, like, you know, in our heads, we have something called an image schema. An we'll image put, schema. An okay. image schema, so, which is kind of like a thinking template that we form when we are younger. Mm. And that's how the concept of journey comes about. And it involves no time. Oh, so you okay. have a source, you have a path, and you have a goal. 
Right. So it comes about from when babies are playing with a toy and then mm. they throw it there and then they can't get to it and now they have to crawl to it. Oh. Now that concept starts being embedded into their memory and they have that whole thing of... That's their I, image. What do you, what do you call it? Image schema. Image so, schema. Yeah, so it's just like what I call a thinking template. Thinking template. So okay. they use that thinking template later on in life to map other things. So we found that, oh, it's coming out from our data that... The thinking template of a journey of the source path goal is quite evident in how people and think about distance even before the concept of time is involved. Wow. Okay. So that was my PhD. So, but then what is the implication of that then? So like, why is that important? How does that sort of help us? Oh, so that was so helpful because in all the other interventions, so the teaching that Sarah did, Mm -hmm. we did not actually take that into heart. We did not Ah. take the fact that walking and journeying you know was important you know in teaching distances and in them understanding and in them understanding understanding. distances Mm. so in 2020 francois when francois was there we then did a new activity called a journey to the universe along university avenue because you know university avenue on campus so this is the the university of cape town uct all right and so there's so uct for those who aren't familiar with it it's a university on the side of table mountain it's very steep there's like three layers and it's very like long along like um kind of like in a line and so university avenue runs all the way through the university in a straight line yeah and so you built a walk through the solar system there yeah so that's what we did and in that we're trying to activate the image schema of a journey so that students are already thinking in that template okay so Mm. students had to walk the distance and so like, what, what what was on the ground what did they have to do so we, they had the, the the objects Franco, do you remember some of I, them we, we started in the Sarah Bartman hall we started in the main hall in the middle and there was a tut at the end of, of, yeah. of the day and we started there we walked I think from Sarah Bartman to the front bit before the stairs yeah, I think this is the, the way we started it was that, okay, all the students need to meet at the hall and then we just like send them on opposite sides of University of mm. U. Okay. So from our W. James building, which is our building on, on campus Where at UCT, we have astronomy. Mm. Um, and then the students have to walk from that side all the way to the other side. So even in the paper we give them, it's written a journey to the universe. So students are walking there thinking that they are supposed to be getting to the universe as they walk there Mm. so we have like so they're walking from the surface of the earth so they get to the sun and things like that okay so so they start at the hall sarah bartman hall and then as they walk they see the sun no so no no at sarah bartman hall they just go there for instructions oh okay sorry i thought we had no no they go there for instructions okay and then they start at the the different buildings at, on okay, either at a sides. certain building, yeah. and then as they walk, they're going to see a picture of the sun. Or yeah, what? they see a picture okay. of the sun, and then there are like three numbers there on on the board A, B, C. You know, okay. the numbers have no units, so there's nothing. But actually, the units are kilometers, astronomical units, and light years. Okay, it is so interesting that some people on campus when they're walking and then they see these things they also stop and and look and then they take a guess and then i I remember hearing one of them saying yeah this is definitely size and that's definitely and i was just like no they're all distances (laughs) (laughs) so you just had numbers and and people were supposed to try and figure out what the numbers meant what the numbers meant so the students also needed to find that out Mm -hmm. what do these numbers actually mean right and then you get so there's the sun and then you get to or maybe was it through the solar system or was it through the universe so it is through the universe, but okay. they actually walk only through the solar system right. on the walk because the universe is so big. Yes. I think they stop at like, I'm not sure, like Neptune or okay. something like that. And then they have to walk all the way to the other end of University of New only to get to the solar system. Yeah, to, to the, the sun. To the edge of the solar system. Yeah, to the edge of the solar system. Only yeah. to get there. And then okay. when they're there, just like, we still have the star. We still have this. We still have that. We're like, yeah. yeah, so... How long would you have to walk to get there? And then you can just see, like, oh, my word. Yeah. Oh, so, so like, they start at one end and they walk and they see probably Venus and Mercury and the sun. And then they keep walking and they go out to Mars and blah, blah, blah. They go up to Neptune and then they keep walking far, 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 far. And then they get to the edge of the solar system. And then they say, oh, my gosh, imagine how much further stars are, yeah. like mm. other stars yeah. that are not the sun and outside of the solar system. Yeah. It's just like, oh. how, like, when will I get to the universe? Because... The tut is about traveling to the edge of the universe. To the edge of the universe. So they're trying to get there, even in that walk. And at that point, when they get there, you know, obviously there are people like shooters there who tell them, okay, 
what do you have to do now? And they, obviously they're so confused. They're trying to also understand what do these numbers mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot going on there. And then we just tell them to go back to the hall. But in the hall, they get the next tut. And in that next tut, they have someone called the super walker who walks at the speed of light and can walk the rest of the distances for them. Okay, can I just stop and say that for anyone who's not South African, a tut is a tutorial. Oh, <laughs> yes. In Australia, we call them tuts. Oh. Um, but yeah, oh. tutorial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And yeah, so they have super walkers. Super okay. walkers and the super walkers are amazing. They can walk in the speed of light. Okay. And so now they start doing calculations. So now the mathematical part is is involved in that. So just assuming that I've been walking and then now there's super walker and this walk continues. So super walker continues to go to the nearest star, mm-hmm. continues to go to the Milky Way, mm-hmm. continues to go to the universe. In another question we ask if Superwalker finds themselves at this part, like number of light years, I don't know, mm-hmm. the top of my head, but like, you know, some light years away, where do you think they are? And they calculate ah. and they figure out, oh, this is where they are at. Okay, so they're like, you know, almost at the next star or they're almost at the edge of the Milky Way or they're yeah. almost at Andromeda. Yeah, something okay. like that. Yeah. So then they do all of that. So that was that was the kind of the touch, just trying to activate that into their brains. And... We found at a post-test that that showed to have much better results than previous year. Okay, so that had an impact. That had an impact. And so did that did that translate the, with the spy, the superwalker, did that translate into time? They, it translates like, into time right. with superwalker because superwalker walks at a speed mm-hmm. of light, meters per second, okay. where, yeah, things like that. Okay, and so then there were better results after that. There were better results after that. Great. And how did you find that, Francois? Well, speaking as a student, <laughs> it was very helpful. The The time it took to get from the last planet, Neptune, up until the edge. It was, it was interesting to see just how empty it is past mm-hmm. that point from what we assume to be empty, I mm. mean. Yeah. It's it's really big. Yeah. And, Space yeah. is big, guys. Yeah, it's, it's so, so big. Newsflash. It's yeah. really big. Yeah. yeah. I think when we root learn things, we think it's one thing after the next, one thing after the next. Mm. Right? So, mm. like, just the idea of how things are actually spaced out mm. does not ne- necessarily translate into us learning about them better. So, I think in this way, they had to get kind of the visual of it. But I think there was also an element of effort involved. It involved mm. some effort. And it was also a hot day in 2020. Yeah, it was very warm. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I remember this because, you know, we asked the students and what stood out for them is that I remember this because it was so hot when I was walking yeah. there. And I could imagine Superwalker <laughs> having to walk back, you know. <laughs> well, that made a more of an impact then. Yeah. I mean, you still remember this activity, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Four was, years later. That was one of the best tasks yeah. we've done. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Oh, there yeah. you go. Wow. Fun. Did you hear that? Say that it was, again. That's one of the best tasks we've done. But I mean, ah. the rest of them were just like doing problems. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So from that result, that's what we needed to write about. So obviously, it's just like the idea of a thinking template translates into what what's the other domain of thinking that we need to involve if we go to even larger distances, you know, Mm. when we go into things like cosmology. Mm. And trying like to understand things that you you can't imagine really. Yeah, you just have so, to almost accept. But, mm, yeah. So I think that's the next domain that I'm trying to work at and look at. So that was my PhD. I just told everyone the story of my PhD. Wow. Wow. I hope you read my Amazing. papers. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fascinating. It's not something we often talk about or think no. about in astronomy. Like I guess once you get past a certain level, like as you said, past first year, if you make it past first year into second and third, you're probably one of those students who automatically were able to understand about the time and the distance. But then what about everybody else who could have mm. had an opportunity to understand it but didn't because of the way like we didn't understand how to teach this yeah so that's where i think it's really amazing the work that you're doing like the mm. opportunities it's opening up for other people i yeah. think it's interesting as well because s 1000 is specifically a course that's open to all faculties yeah. mm. so you get a lot of people who are simply interested in astronomy and then teaching them the distance ladder is kind of an interesting way to get them interested in it because it's so it's so yeah. weird to think about things that that size yeah, yeah. and it's, it's like it's it's overwhelming and mm. then trying to make people see how exciting and beautiful this is rather than terrifying and yeah. yeah yeah and i think one of the things that really come out from all of this is the fact that sometimes we are too quick to kind of criticize our teachers mm-hmm. our lecturers mm-hmm. um at saying that they're probably not doing great but mm. actually 
it's a matter of somebody has to do the research. Someone yeah. has to do the research to to get into that understanding. And we found out that you know because of our, how different our contexts are, mm-hmm. we cannot always rely on things that the Americans do and mm-hmm. the things that they provide as things that work for them. Yep. Mm. Right. Yep. And so this is this is also where my work with the OED comes in because I get to work with everyone around the world, wow. mm-hmm. which is really great. So you you don't only get a perspective just from South Africa, mm-hmm. but you get a perspective from a global you get a global perspective. That's how you say that. Oh, Yay. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so. Wow. So you like actually get to kind of help the whole world. Amazing. Oh, we, we try to. We try, <laughs> we try. So humble. But okay, so speaking of the whole world, you've been able to go on some big adventures lately and some coming up. You went to, I think it was it Canada? Oh, yeah. I went to Canada. Wow. <laughs> this year this is year. just flying it's through. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I went to Canada this year just to present some of the work that we do. At a conference? At a conference. Mm-hmm. Where, it was, whereabouts? It was in Dunlop Institute of Astronomy, I think it is. is. Okay, where is that? Where is that? It's in Toronto. Right, cool. And oh. what was it like in Toronto? Oh my word, Toronto has just been one of the most diverse cities I've seen. Really? In the in like literally in my whole life. I mean wow. and I'm growing up in South Africa, mm. you think Yeah, that's mm. surprising to say. When yeah. You grow up in South Africa. It is it is surprisingly so diverse. There wow. is everyone from everywhere. Like there was a whole Chinatown. Like mm. Mm. it is so cool. It that's is so cool. No, Toronto was really cool. Um and um what else? It's been a while since I've been back, just in Toronto. In the studio in in Toronto. Oh, in Toronto. Oh. Yeah, no, that, but we haven't been able to talk about it yet. <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite fun, and I also kind of like met some people who've moved from astronomy, pure astronomy research, to astronomy education research, and that was really cool as well. I think I also met the people that I also mentioned that they're like the four people that are always <laughs> mentioned in these papers. Oh, they're famous now. <laughs> the famous people. Cool. <laughs> so I got to to meet them too. And the rock stars of the field. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and then from the OAE side. So OAE has National Astronomy Education Coordinators across the world. So these are people who are working in education in their countries. Mm-hmm. So I got to meet a few of them who are cool. attending the conference. Uh-huh. And I mean, like the OAE was established in 2019, November 2019. Okay, very recently. Yeah. And then obviously 2020 COVID happened. So there mm. was never time for people to meet one another. Ah, so, so you got to meet your colleagues. So I got to meet, nice. yeah, so I got to meet people. Um, I got to meet people there and that was really nice. And are you going to, you said that you're employed also by MPIA, is yeah. it, in Germany? Are it's you, in Germany. So, the, yeah, so. Do you get to visit there? I went there last year. Oh, you did? Oh, cool. Nice. So, yeah, so employed by MPIA. And then because the OAE is actually hosted by MPIA. Okay. Yeah, so there's... So the Office of Astronomy for, for Education, Education is hosted in Germany by the Max Planck Institute for Astronomy. Astronomy, okay. yeah. And they have this nice, beautiful galaxy building. Yeah. What? And yeah, it is so pretty. We must oh, the, go there immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the building's so pretty. And in the middle of that building is like, it's a planetarium. Oh, oh wow. So so the, the whole building is designed like a it's galaxy a, Yeah, it's a design like <gasps> wow. a spiral galaxy. So it has two arms oh, like that. Oh, and then in the center is a planetarium. It is so beautiful. Oh, that's amazing. It is so beautiful. This is in, in Garching near Munich, right? No, this is oh. actually in Heidelberg. Oh, Heidelberg. Oh, okay. oh, cool. This is in Heidelberg, so nice. it's really beautiful. So yeah. Nice. Is that um, and you have been invited as a guest speaker to a conference in China? An international (laughs) guest speaker that is a big deal to me. So, I mean, it is a big deal, and I'm just like, don't really have to go. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? Will I, you know, will I represent my job well? Oh, yeah, of course, will will. I not get fired after this? No, I'm I'm sure if you're invited, you'll be fine. I don't want to hear any of this imposter syndrome. No, no. You know you're yeah. killing it in your field and you're one of the best. So, yeah, so I kind of have to prepare a whole talk. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just like things just bulge up right at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So like about Always. two weeks ago, there was the the African Regional Shore IAU meeting on okay. astronomy for education, which you organized here in collaboration with APHIS. The- so APHIS is African Astronomical Society. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the Shore Foundation and the OAE. What's the Shore Foundation? Oh, the Givers of the Shore Prize, them. Yeah. Oh. The yeah. Givers of the Shore Prize. What, the, in Hong Kong? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Ones, yeah. Okay. So they give us the money. Oh, the wow. Shore Foundation. Okay. The Shore, Shore okay. Foundation. 
Speaking of which, our previous uh, yeah. episode bells was yeah. very nice. Show <laughs> foundation, yes, the, the okay, the the, okay. the so foundation. so you had this uh, a big workshop here. So yeah, we had a big workshop here, like hosting people, like again the NIACs. The what? NIACs, the National Astronomy Education Coordinators. Okay. Uh, okay. So the ones we hosted, the African ones, their teachers. So each NIAC was like kind of partnered with the teacher of their country to come to South Africa for this. Oh, cool. We had teachers from other parts of South Africa, which are actually not necessarily exposed to, to astronomy. I mean, as much as astronomy is so big in South Africa, there are only three planetariums in South Africa. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah, the Ezekiel Planetarium. Oh, no. The one at VETS that's being upgraded right now, mm-hmm. and then the one in Free State. So okay. people in Mpumalanga, Limpopo, Eastern Cape, you know, mm. they don't have that resource. So we tried to bring some teachers from there, and we just hosted the workshop here. It was it was a lot. Yeah. So what was the workshop about? <laughs> Leveraging the potential of astronomy in formal education. Levering the potential of astronomy in formal education. Okay. And this is mainly aimed towards what, high school? Yeah, so the OAE is really aimed at primary and secondary school. So high school, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and let me guess you're one of the organizers of this running it. <laughs> yeah, we're running it. Um I think with Sally McFlyland, the associate director of IDEA. Oh, I know Sally. <laughs> oh yeah, Sally. Yeah. Yes, she's this is her new position, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. This is a new position. Okay, well we have to have her on the Cosmic Savannah again soon. Yeah. Yeah. So and um and Tuduzile, who is the coordinator for BRICS astronomy, BRICS, Brazil, Russia. India. India. China, China, China South, South Africa. Africa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's the coordinator of BRICS astronomy in South Africa. And yeah, we also had some help from AFIS, like I said, and the OAD office, and it just like all came together to to host this workshop, and it went really well. Yeah, and we've got some positive feedback. Great, and we just you know hope that this could be one of the things that helps the teachers gain momentum and energy and creativity of teaching astronomy, but also teaching their physics and their maths mm. using astronomy. Mm. Yes, as like a hook, an interesting hook. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, that's amazing, Timmy. So well done. That's huge. That's a really we big tried. deal. We tried. So what were some of the things that happened at the workshop? Okay, so there were talks. So like people who have, and I think these were mostly inspiring even for me, people who have taught astronomy in low-cost environments, like not using expensive technology mm. and things like that in terms of how they did it and what they did. So even for the teachers to to see that, you don't actually need much. Mm. We also had hands-on workshops from Sereo. So people from Sereo came to give workshops to the teachers. That's the South African Radio, Radio Astronomy Astron- Observatory. <laughs> and SAO. South African Astronomical Observatory, where we are now. (laughs) If you want a list of all acronyms, they're on our website. (laughs) Um, And then we also had the people from the Naval Hill Planetarium from Free State also giving a workshop as well. And I forgot the other workshops, but there were quite a few workshops, like hands-on workshops where teachers were doing stuff. Oh, we had a Wikimedia workshop as well. Oh, so cool. they were trained on how to create their own pages on Wikipedia. Oh wow! Edit, delete things like that. Oh gosh, that. we should have actually wow. we should yeah. have volunteered to give a workshop on podcasting. How yeah, we're not there. Yeah, <laughs> there's always a next time. Next time, next yeah. time. So, so we did that, and then at the end of it, we had like an Africa Lookup cultural exchange. So Africa Lookup hashtag Africa Lookup is like one of the flagships for the GA twenty twenty four which is the International Astronomical Union, which is the, the huge international body of astronomy. They have a meeting once every, what, four years? Yeah, the uh, General Assembly. Kind of like the Olympics of astronomy, uh, but not a competition, a, a conference. <laughs> and it gets hosted somewhere in the world. And for the very first time in 2024, it's coming to the African continent and yeah, it's being yeah. held right here in Cape Town. Yeah, that's exciting. Yes. So obviously... You know, taking an opportunity to speak to the participants about the GA 2024 and for them to actually speak to their students about it. So the students can just get a feel of, oh my word, this is like a big it's thing. Big. It's just like massive. You know, yeah. yeah. So um, we had that Africa Lookup Cultural Exchange where people from Africa and everyone else were just like telling their stories with the stars. And I think this was so inspirational just to hear that apart from the science that we do, we actually have a relationship with the stars in our Mm. cultures. And and that was that came out very beautiful. It was so nice. 
That's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, we had we had one episode, I think, of the Cosmic Savannah on sort of ethno-astronomy and some some traditional stories of the night sky. Um, but yeah, it would have been amazing to hear more of those. Yeah, it was it was so cool. And, you know, obviously, including some storytelling as well. Um, Buzani from the SAO gave a wonderful story and everyone was just so engaged in it. Aww. So yeah, it was it was such a beautiful conference. And at the end with the song, the dance, the storytelling, the stargazing, all of it just came together really well. And yeah. Okay. That sounds amazing. Well, congratulations on surviving that and getting through it and, and putting on what I'm sure was an amazing event. Thank you, Jacinta. <laughs> we tried. I mean, we, tried. we can always do better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you, so you actually did a mini episode of the Cosmic Savannah several years ago now. I think it was 2020. Uh, yeah, it was during COVID. During COVID. Bad times. Yeah. yeah. Well, we just <laughs> forget rough. that ever happened. <laughs> so we were, Dan and I wanted to run our very first podcasting boot camp for astronomy students in South Africa. And you were one of our very first participants. Wow. And the students made mini episodes of the Cosmic Savannah, which we published. And yours was on, I think it was called, How Does Astronomy Help Humanity, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was talking to Andy. Andy Firth, yes, Andy I think Firth. he was the, yeah. interviewing you, another, another participant, participant in, in the boot camp. And so just I thought to finish off, what you're interested in is exactly that. How does astronomy help humanity? And I guess you've already said several reasons, like several ways today about how how it does that and how you in particular are helping to do that. So maybe you just would like to say a bit more about that? One of the things that I repeatedly say is the fact that I remember coming into to do my PhD here and I, and I was just in Joburg. So I was living in Joburg for many years, grew up there. And yeah, it was really amazing there. And so when I was leaving Joburg for Cape Town, I was just telling people that, yeah, no, I'm going to do my research on astronomy education. And they just like stopped me, astronomy. And I said, yeah, but like, how does astronomy help people? Like, how does astronomy help black people? You know, black people like are straight up like that. <laughs> <laughs> And that question like just kept on being so persistent that mm. I was just like, I need to make sure that the work that I do actually has an impact, mm. you know, back to the people. And I think in, in one of the ways, this also involves how do we tell their stories mm-hmm. and which is why the African cultural exchange was so important mm-hmm. to capture those stories, to keep the stories alive, but also to show that, you know, the people may not necessarily be engaged with the actual science that's happening, but it is their night sky. Yes. And and we see this a lot with where salt is. It's in Sutherland, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's in a community, mm. you know. You see where SKA is going to be built, you know, in Canavon. That is also in a community. Mm-hmm. The community already had that amazing sky mm-hmm. that astronomers are coming into to work with and to make great discoveries on. So I think there's that important element of people being so so connected mm-hmm. to the stars. But also because, I mean, astronomers are traveling everywhere to be here, yes. to see coming the southern to sky. South Africa. Coming to South yep. Africa, to see that southern sky. And I think it's, it's one of the things that kind of keep me motivated in saying, how can I make this astronomy better for people? How can I take this knowledge of astronomy and make sure that people connect with it and see the need for it and see its importance as well. Because sometimes it's easy to say, I'm a medical doctor. Yeah, we know you save lives. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> doctors are doing a great job. <laughs> no shade. <laughs> no shade. Um, but how do we? Like, how, how do, we, do we? So we spend all day, like, looking through telescopes at galaxies far, far away. Like, how does that so help So really anyone? the more important mm. work, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think... And I think this is why mm. also the Office of Astronomy for Development is very important, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, it goes back to deal with people mm-hmm. and shows how can astronomy actually help develop and impact lives. Exactly. And, you know, we, we know how dire the situation is in South Africa. Inflation is going up. Mm. Unemployment is high. Mm-hmm. But there are actually certain skills that are learned in astronomy mm-hmm. and can be used through astronomy to uplift people's lives yeah um and we see there's so many programs you know that have been done across the world through astronomy Mm -hmm. through oad rather um that have worked on actively uplifting communities uplifting lives uplifting the girl child um Mm. everywhere and and this is all done because we are selling astronomy yeah, so, and it's because astronomy is, like, really interesting, right? Like, okay, obviously we're very biased yeah. here. But, like, come on, talk to, like, a, a child and 
who is not actually a little bit interested in astronomy? Mm. Everyone's interested at least a little bit in astronomy and dinosaurs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, just at least a little bit. And, you know, everyone has a relationship with astronomy because everyone can look up at the night sky and wonder, like, what are those, like, twinkling things yeah. up there and how far away are they and, you know, how infinite is space. And yeah. I wanted to say that if we were to run a poll just to ask how many people are actually named after stars. Mm. We would be really amazed because in African cultures, I I know a few people who are called Naledi, and Naledi oh, is a star. Really, you oh. know. Or so I think it would be really interesting to see mm. how many people are actually named after stars, right. and just to see that oh, actually, because of how connected we've been with the nice guys mm. since many years ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we continue to 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 yeah. have that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, so I guess like Francois is giving us a wrap up sa- signal now. He's not, but I'm <laughs> I'm making that up. But uh, we have been going for a while, so we should wrap up yeah. soon. Is there any final messages that either of you have for listeners? Yeah, I guess that's that's the best thing to try and get as much people interested in astronomy as possible, especially in South Africa where we've got unfortunately a lot of negativity and stuff. And astronomy is the one thing I think that's going quite well for us. So. It's going nice. gangbusters, like it's fantastic, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> this is we're world leading yeah. in astronomy, particularly radio astronomy. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's good to get people excited about that because I think you know that's that's what we really need right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'd say probably also leading to the GA. Um, I think it's it's great for schools and their teachers, mm-hmm. astronomy clubs, science clubs, and schools to try and fly the GA. Flag, flag higher, yeah. you know, um, and become astronomy ambassadors mm. and maybe kind of connect with us through the Cosmic Savannah and the OAD to mm-hmm. say, how can we be part of the GA 2024 where we are at? Sorry. So if they want to find out more information, how can they do that? There is the IAUGA 2024 website where they can actually kind of fill in a form to volunteer as ambassadors. Cool. Um and once you become an ambassador, you know, you are one of us. You are mm-hmm. helping us fly the it is here mm-hmm. for the first time the GA is in South Africa, in Africa. Yeah. And we are about to have and host world-class scientists here. Mm-hmm. And so I think that will be a great opportunity for people to say we are here. And then we can see how we can collaborate with them further. Yeah, that's massive. Cool. So we're going to put a link to that website on our show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Francois is going to. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, we encourage people to go and follow that link and just see how you can be involved and participate. Even if you can't be an ambassador, like try and participate. It'll be very exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, thanks to both of you very much for taking taking the time to be here. And I think it was really fascinating, and I hope our listeners enjoyed getting to know you better. I certainly did. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all for today. Dan is off, by the way, um, in Pretoria, wearing suits every day, doing something important. So (laughs) he'll be back next time, I'm sure. Being driven around as well. I'm sure. Okay, right. So thanks very much for listening and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode of The Cosmic Savannah. You can visit our website at thecosmicsavannah.com where we will have the transcript, links, pictures and other stuff related to today's episode. You can follow us on Twitter or X, Facebook and Instagram at Cosmic Savannah. That's Savannah spelled S-A-V-A-N-N-A-H. You can also find us on YouTube where audio-only episodes are uploaded with closed captions which can be auto-translated into many different languages including Africa. Isikosa and Isizulu. Special thanks to our guests today, Dr. Tsimuso Makwela and Francois Kampfer, for speaking with us. Thanks to our new podcast manager, Francois Kampfer, our social media manager, Sumari Hatton, and our audio editor, Jacob Fine. Also thanks to Mark Olnert for music production, Mihao Wiecek for photography, Carl Jones for astrophotography, Susie Karras for graphic design, and thanks to Emil Menkis for video creation, Moses Makungo and Abigail Shane for transcription. We gratefully acknowledge support from the South African National Research Foundation, the South African Agency for Science and Technology Advancement, the South African Astronomical Observatory, and the University of Cape Town Astronomy Department. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd gratefully appreciate it if you could rate and review us and recommend us to a friend. And we'll speak to you next time on The Cosmic Savannah.
Uh, I'll do it. I'll do it. And a special thanks to our guest. Me. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Jacob. 